You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. And welcome. You are in the box, and you are in the box with Thomas Biondo here, flying solo tonight and happy to be with you. Getting a little bit of an early start here, so we won't get too heavy into it. While we get wait for uh, getting working through the board ops here at, down at uh, in Royal Oak, Michigan, and the great Podcast Detroit website with which we are working, we'll start off by shooting out the number right away for those of you that want to bother me two four eight five seven nine fifty two ninety. I'd wait a minute before you call though, because my board op just stepped out to make sure that the other show here is ready and is good to go. We're going to be talking hockey here on In the Box. My co-host, Walt, is uh, down in Florida enjoying weather that I assume is much nicer than this. Uh, my other co-host, Phil, is out playing hockey in this very exact weather. But who says no to an outdoor hockey game? I understand, Phil. And I hope you score twice uh, and have an assist. I'm calling two goals and an assist. I assume you're going to be listening to this podcast of me tonight. So you can come back and confirm next Monday what your uh, outing was out there on the rink outside. So as I said, in the box, big hockey podcast here. Going to talk mainly mainly Red Wings, actually, given what's gone on this week. I mean, we were in heavy Red Wings last week, but it turns out that they were kind of the 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 big story this week. And, and sadly, the, the big story is actually a, a depressing story. As uh, the passing of uh, Mike Illich was really probably the biggest story in all of hockey land over the course of the last uh, over the course of the last week, uh, very tragically uh, or uh, very unexpectedly. I, most of us, I don't, I know, I hadn't heard that that things were were progressing at that rate. But the eighty uh, eight year old Mister Illich passes away, owner of the Red Wings for over thirty years, and. Boy, really kind of brought them out of the dead things era. Quite impressive what he uh, what he did. Maybe the most impressive thing he did was drafted a a young kid by the name of Steve Eiserman. And some of you may or may not have heard of him. I would assume if you're listening to this, there's a very high likelihood you have heard of number 19, the captain Steve Eiserman. Really helped kind of usher in the the era of the Red Wings. He only missed, and the Red Wings, I should say, only missed the playoffs three times. With this year might be the fourth, but three times during Mister I's uh, during his ownership, and and you know it's it's funny, it, it, all the kind of articles and and postings and and information that you that you see about Mister I is that he was the perfect blend of owner, where he wasn't the the Mark Cuban, uh, Robert Kraft, those guys whose names you always heard and you knew who the owners were, and they were very public and. Very all over the place and in your face, and you you knew, uh, you know they they were holding press conferences to talk about their teams and themselves. That wasn't his style, but you know what? He also would spend money and let trusted his people to do the right thing, and that really was kind of the the, the cornerstone of of who Mister Illich was, at least in terms of of operating his franchises. You know, he had uh, Randy Smith as a GM for the Tigers for a while. Didn't like that. Decided that wasn't working out, so he went ahead, got rid of him, and moved on to Dave Dombrowski and the success the Tigers had. And it's important to talk about, and you can't you can't talk about Mike Illich and 
and not talk about the Tigers. You know, the Wings, as I as I mentioned during his time, uh, thirteen hundred eighty eight wins in uh, almost twenty seven hundred games played, under a thousand losses. Of course, all the overtime stuff and overtime losses to help kind of with perspective on that a little bit. In a full season, that would be an average of roughly forty one wins per year. About 28 losses, and given you know the whole overtime losses and ties that we the change that the NHL went through, and then there was a period where they had both, roughly about seven overtime losses, or excuse me, seven ties, and five overtime losses a season. I mean that's consistency, and you know I wanted to to, to try to compare it to another franchise. And I was just thinking, who do you who do you compare it to? You know, there's no other franchise has had anybody that's you know has had a 25 year playoff streak i guess st louis would have been the closest as they most recently had a long-term playoff streak but then even they had a couple of really down years so i mean he created a, a hockey franchise here that was unlike any other with the 25 years consecutive playoff runs only three years not making the playoffs since the 1982-83 season just a heck of a turnaround here for the Red Wings, because I, a lot of you may not know, they were considered the dead things in the era before that. Just an, an impressive, impressive turnaround. And he had that, too, with the Tigers. And it was, you know, he bought the Tigers in 92 and kind of had a, a big, you know, it, it's funny. I can remember back in that time, like, you know, the, the late 90s when the Red Wings were winning Stanley Cups and the Tigers were not winning 60, 70 games in a year. Everybody's like, well, he clearly Mike Illich doesn't care about the Tigers. He just wants his hockey team to do well. Well, I somehow that must have got to him because in in 2003, the year the Tigers lost 119 games, he apparently had enough. Through his uh, 11 years of ownership, the team was 707 wins to a, a thousand and eight losses, 300 more losses over that first 10 years of ownership, and then in 2004, kind of. The Tigers kind of got their Steve Eiserman, and it wasn't via the draft. It was the bringing in of Pudge Rodriguez, and that was one of three free agents that came in and and really started the turnaround for the Tigers. That 2004 season, they went 72-90, and 90, which, again, obviously 18 games below 500, but when you won 43 the year before, quite impressive. And over the course of the next uh, six, uh, 12 years, the team would go um, would win nearly 1,100 games and lose barely over 1,000. So they would end up being over 500. Four playoff trips, three division titles. Um, or excuse me, I think it was four division titles and six playoff trips because the, the 06 team was the wild card team. Uh, just a very impressive run that this team had. And, and the city lost a, a, a great man. And that's just the sports stuff. You know, obviously the Fox, the, uh, the Fox Theater downtown opened up two new stadiums as he was uh, the main component behind Comerica Park, also the component now behind Little Caesars, which will be opening next year, which you got to wonder if Little Caesars Arena may get shifted into Mike Illich Arena. I know I saw some some online rumblings that that's something that should happen, and I, I don't really disagree with that considering what he's done for this city and what he's done for the city of Detroit, I should say. Um, he's been great, and I believe he also has one of the uh, – the Wayne's down at Wayne State, one of their journalism schools, I want to say potentially, or business schools. No, I would I, I'd probably business school would make more sense. Where it's the Mike Illich School of Business. So again, a, a credit to him, a credit to everything he's done. 
Um, I know Columbus, In the, it was the first game the Wings played after his passing. Columbus had a nice moment of silence. There were rinks around the league that that honored uh, Mr. Illich with the moment of silence before the games, their games started. I believe I saw that um, Edmonton was one of them. So the the NHL knows, and and in, and like I was saying earlier, with in this era of the outspoken, well known owner, he was just the one that let his people do their thing, do what he paid them to do, trusting in his people, and uh, they for the most part brought him success. Definitely with the Wings, never got to the pinnacle with the Tigers, which is obviously very sad. Uh, they were close several times, two trips to the World Series. Um, several other trips to the playoffs, but he was not for lack of, of spending, uh, owner, owner wanted it. Owner got it. You know, there was the, the famous story of, uh, the, the Prince Fielder signing or the, the, the Prince Fielder dealer deal where, you know, there was no rumblings that the Tigers were involved in, in getting Prince Fielder. And then all of a sudden, Two weeks after that, they were at the press conference announcing it, where it was one of those things where it's believed that Mike Illich said, just go out and get him. I want him here. Bring him home. Bring him to Detroit. He's playing. So uh, that's a credit to him uh, for for doing that, bringing in Prince Fielder. Granted, it didn't work out, but honestly, it, it ended up bringing in Ian Kinsler, which might have been the better part of that deal. Again, uh, so uh, thank you, Mr. Illich. I'm, I'm sure some other folks may want to get in on that number here to studio two here at podcast Detroit two four eight five seven nine fifty two ninety. I still see here. I might have to dance between the two here as we fire out the number here, but I don't have a, a board op to answer. So just sit tight on that. I want to make sure we take some of your calls there to talk about Mr. Illich. You know, it's, it's funny how, you know, it, he wasn't one that people had a lot of stories about. You know, listening to again, kind of some of the local media and whatnot. They, he's kind of a quiet guy. You know, you saw him at the at you know the announcements of the new stadiums. You saw him, you know, hoisting cups and trophies and American League Championship Series stuff. But again, it, it wasn't he wasn't a kind of guy that you you saw a lot. Like with the passing of Gordy Howe, you just heard so many stories with Gordy back and forth, and uh, you know of you know the nice things that Gordy had done and. And, and stuff like that with Gordy being out and about. And that just wasn't the persona that Mr. I had. But, again, I, it's definitely not a knock on him. It's a, it's a credit to him for all the stuff that he did for this city, for the, the sports in the city, and pretty much for, for the city of Detroit throughout. And, and honestly, I mean, I don't want to make light of it, but who doesn't love those $5 pizzas? You know, who does not love them? So credit to him. Thank you, Mr. I, for that. And uh, we will uh, we're gonna move on from that there uh, for now. Again, once we uh, once we go ahead and kind of get somebody back in here, we'll take some of the phone calls. Hopefully, we'll get uh, some people calling in here since we're flying solo here on in the box. The second kind of biggest story in the NHL this week, honestly, still kind of <laughs> centered around the Red Wings, and it was actually Gustav Nyquist. Uh, going a little insane. Although, you know, the, pro- the the thing with that particular play with the cross check to the face of, of Jared Spurgeon, and he's going to have a phone hearing on Wednesday, and it is believed to be uh, a su- significant suspension is on the is on the way. 
for Gustav for the 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 two hander to the chitlets of Jared Spurgeon, the defenseman for the Wild. He, uh, you know, he had gotten he was kind of in an awkward angle. I, I, I assume you've seen the play. If you haven't, go ahead and get yourself on the Google and Google the play and make sure you see the 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 setup for it because right before the collision. Or excuse me, right before the cross check, you kind of see Nyquist in an awkward angle, and Spurgeon give him a two-hander into the back that could have sent Nyquist's head into the boards. Not excusing it because there really is there is no excuse for that, the 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 cross check to the mouth. But I, I see where Gus had kind of gotten where 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 Gus was coming from on that, you know, protecting himself and 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 I'm you know I'm sure there's a little bit of of what sixty games of frustration in there coming out in that cross check and with the numbers that he's had granted I think he leads the, pretty sure he leads the team in assists but the goals are not where you want them and he had this opportunity and he's just trying to fight for a puck in the corner and gets a two hander into the back while he's trying to gain position and again given his positioning and how he was standing a. It wasn't the most violent hit that Spurgeon laid on him, but just it could have been an awkward situation. Gustav was able to uh, Gus was able to protect himself, but obviously you saw what he did to Spurgeon. A suspension is coming in, rightly so. I mean, absolutely, rightly so. But I I'm I don't necessarily I have a problem with the act. I don't have a problem with him standing up for himself. I guess is what I is what I really want to say. Um, you know, is really what he was trying to do. And to him, that's a that's a credit, you know, because that's kind of how long have we listened to those arguments of, well, the, the 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 Europeans can't protect themselves. The Europeans are this, that and the other thing. Well, <laughs> Gus showed that's not the case. And I think anybody who's watched Henrik Zetterberg play over the last decade would also know that that's not the case. But uh, most uh, experts kind of have a, an estimation that he's going to be probably off for six. Six games is the number that I've seen. Would be the expectation of how long he'll be out. Uh, that almost takes you. That's going to take you through the bye week, actually. So he's going to get a very long break. Is Gus due to uh, the six game suspension? If it is that long, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully, next week we'll have some more info as to how long Gus exactly is going to go down. Is going to be out of the lineup for the Red Wings. And we'll talk more about the Red Wings a little bit later on. A couple other things going on around the league. NHL crowned their three stars this week. And it's the number three star. We'll do this backwards here. Um, again, just want to get the number out. 248-579-5290. I believe that is a Skype line, so if you can uh, want to call on in, we'll see if anything pops up here and get you on in the box here. Again, though the three stars of the game, uh, three stars of the week for the NHL. It was Victor Arvidsson was the third star for Nashville, as he had five goals and seven assists in there and uh, a two and two week for the Nashville Predators. Posted uh, two one and three, his second third career uh, three point performance and a four two victory over the Canucks back on February seventh. 
He was then held off the score sheet in the loss to the Rangers, but rebounded with a hat trick and a 7-4 defeat of the Panthers on February 11th and capped off his week with one assist and a win over the Stars on February 12th. The 23-year-old uh, Sweden native is starting to starting to heat up here, starting to show some the Predators some things here. He's now has 39 points in 54 contests this season after having just 16 points in 68 two games with the Preds, and that's... Boy, they could really use some of that, couldn't they, right now in Detroit, having a, a youngster develop like that. We thought we had it, and then it kind of went away. So uh, very good start here for, for Arvidsson to the season. Although I guess since we're so late into the season, I guess we wouldn't say start anymore. It's, you're pretty much having a good season at this point. There's no not a good start anymore as we're well beyond the halfway point. Second start of the week went to goaltender Jake Allen of the St. Louis Blues, and boy, St. Louis needed that. Oddly enough, I, you wonder how Jake Allen was affected by the firing of Ken, Ken Hitchcock. Maybe he was happy to see Ken go because in this week he was 3-0 with a goals against average of 1 and a save percentage of 9.67, and included, let's throw a shutout in there as well, and a huge th- uh, six points for the Blues this week as they needed that. A 6 nothing win over the Senators on February 7th. Then 31 stops in a 2-1 to overtime victory over the Leafs on February 9th. And then uh, another 28 saves in a 4-2 victory in Montreal against the Canadians on Saturday. Big week for St. Louis. They needed that, as I mentioned earlier, as they had been struggling as of late. And... At this point, does, uh, excuse me, they've been struggling as of late, and then they fire coach Ken Hitchcock. Kitch, hat, Ken Hitchcock, Mike Ant, Mike Yo takes over, and sure enough, they come in with a th- getting a three win week behind goaltender Jake Allen, who, again, as we had mentioned before, had been struggling as of late, but gets a nice win, uh, or a nice couple of wins here this weekend. All right, and the number one star of the week went to Jason Pominville of the Minnesota Wild, and the Red Wings helped him out to be the number one star of the week. He paced the NHL with six assists and eight points in four games to power the the now Western Conference leading Minnesota Wild to a 3-0-1 week. He had a 2-2-4 game his first four-point outing since January 1st back when he was, of 2011 back with Buffalo in a 4-2 victory over Winnipeg on February 7th. He then got an assist in a 4-3, uh, in both, excuse me, one assist in a 4-3 loss to the Blackhawks on the 8th and a 2-1 shootout win against the Lightning on the 10th. But then Pominville capped the week with two more helpers, his sixth multi-point effort of the season in the 6-3 victory over the Red Wings on Sunday the 12th. He now has 10, 10 goals, 25 assists, 35 points in 55 games this season. And he has got two goals, seven assists, and nine points during a nine-game point streak or during a five-game point streak for the Minnesota Wild. Moving right along here, along the kind of week that is and week that was, Let's talk a little bit, actually. Let's take a look at the playoff picture 
here, and it's, it's a very interesting picture to look at as so far through the first with, uh, with about 60 games in the books, uh, it's quite different between the East and the West, to be sure. In the, we'll start actually out West, where they only have one change in the playoff positioning, or I should say in the playoff teams from, one, from last year, where the Stars would be out if the playoffs started today, and the Edmonton Oilers would be in the playoffs if they started today. Outside of that, the other seven teams, yes, different positions, um, amongst them, but overall, the same seven teams would be in in the Western Conference. Minnesota, Chicago, and St. Louis are one, two, three in the Central. San Jose, Anaheim, and Edmonton one, two, three in the Pacific, with Nashville and LA holding down the wild card spots. That's subject to change. I mean, if we're if we're being honest, really only two teams close right now in there. I mean, you. With the number of three-point games that there are in the league now, it's real tough to to, to get back into it here um, if you're more than, let's say, six points behind. So Calgary at 59 and Vancouver with 56 could make some noise there in the wild card picture and on the very periphery with one foot hanging off the cliff right now, Dallas and Winnipeg each with 54 points. So... um yeah, that's pretty much where we're looking at why I say Calgary or Vancouver. You know, the you'd love to get another Canadian team in there. The, the Canadians would love to get another team in there besides Edmonton out west. But in the east, that's where you see a lot of flippity-flop over last year's team. There would be five changes to playoff teams from last year. Right now, if the playoffs again, if the playoffs were to start today, the Wings, Lightning, Panthers, Islanders, and Flyers would all be out, while the Blue Jackets, Senators, Leafs, Bruins, and Canadiens would all be in. Three original sixes jump in, while only one, being the Red Wings, jump out or fall out of the playoff picture. Right now, the Metro has Washington with a nine-point lead, so they are pretty much running away with the East. Right now, the Jackets and Penguins are behind them, each with 75 points. Washington's 84 that does actually pace the entire NHL. Minnesota's 80 is pretty much well ahead of everybody else in the West with Chicago at 75 and San Jose with 73. But Minnesota has three games in hand, two games in hand on each of those teams. In the Atlantic, Montreal, Ottawa, and Boston would have the auto bids. So you'd be looking at an Ottawa-Boston-Columbus-Pittsburgh first-round matchup. Washington would then play Toronto who's got the final wild card spot as of right now as they have 61 points in 54 games. And then the New York Rangers would play the Canadiens as the Rangers would actually have more points, but being in the Metro is not very kind as they have 73 points, but would actually be the road team against the 70 point Canadiens who are 31, 19 and eight with 70 points in 58 games. Really, the Rangers, pretty good positioning here. What's left to be determined is that whether they're going to get an auto bid in the Metro or if they're going to get um, if they're going to get one of those auto bids in the Metro or if they're going to get in the wild card. They're they're just two points behind Columbus, both Columbus and Pittsburgh, but each of those teams have a game in hand on the Rangers. 
really what it boils down to right now is the Atlantic and where everybody's going to fall in there with Ottawa and Boston each having 64 points. Toronto has 61, and they, as I mentioned, holding down that final wildcard spot. But they, kind of like our, our hometown team here, struggling at home, only 13-9-4 on the year, and only 4-4-2 four, four, in their last five, or in their last ten, I should say. So Toronto really needs to kind of pick it up if they want to hold on to that down the stretch and get into the playoffs. Right on their heels, Philadelphia, granted, Toronto with two games in hand, Philadelphia with 61 points. They are close. The Islanders with 60 points. And the Panthers' resurgence, they are three points away with 58 points. And and again, all the way down, I mean, the only team more than six points away is, is actually Detroit as they sit at the bottom of the conference and they've played 56 games, which is among the most in the league. So a world of hurt for the Red Wings. And again, we're going to get to that shortly as they sit at 2-5-3 in their, in their last 10 games. But, I mean, with, with all the jostling in there, I'd say, really, I'm going to kind of put a magical cutoff almost at Jersey, who's sitting, uh, who's sitting five points out with 55 games played, just because then you got Buffalo, who's 56 points, but they are m- more than they're at two games out right now or have two games less in hand than the Leafs, although they did get the big win Saturday over the Leafs which was huge for them, but then they f- couldn't follow it up with a victory the next night as they fell to Vancouver. So, again, a lot of this is very fluid. Understand understand that, to be sure. But, again, uh, right now, wings are in a, kind of a bad way as uh, they are sitting at the bottom of both the Atlantic and the Eastern Conference as a whole. And why are they down there? Well, they're down there due to a rough, rough week here. It, it started out well enough, but it did not hold form for Detroit as uh, they would lose. Really, the, the, the first game of the week was the game against Columbus on Tuesday, a week ago tomorrow, or excuse me, a week ago now here. They would lose a 3-2 to two decision against the Blue Jackets. And, and really, you know, I, I posted on our, on our Facebook page, just an awful call, and you know, I, I I hate to parachute in at the end of a game and blame blame a call, but I mean, honestly, it was a direct lead in. <laughs> I mean, it was no time in between. Zetterberg carrying the puck through the middle of the ice, he gets a stick slash stick breaks. A hundred times out of a hundred, that's called. I I mean, it's just it's every time you can pretty much guarantee that if a stick breaks, there's going to be a penalty, except. Apparently, this one time where the referees do not want to give a power play to the Red Wings in overtime, I guess, or decided maybe he didn't see it, whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, power play did not cash, did not connect there, or did not come. I mean, granted, the Wings probably wouldn't have connected on it given what their power play has done as of late. But still, you would have loved the opportunity four on three. So that doesn't happen, and on the ensuing play, it's picked up by Dubinsky. He turns, gives Seth Jones the feed, a rocket shot, 3-2 the final. Let's get to the buildup of that. It started actually Nick Jensen getting his first, his second of the season at the 321 mark, 322 mark of the first. Detroit led 1-0, which is quite a novelty, as we've talked about. They were, I, I know at, at last week's show, 32 games they had fallen behind first. <laughs> 32 games they had given up the first goal of the year and or the first goal in the game and 
finally they get the first one, but it only they only can't they can't double it. And it only lasts for about six minutes as Brandon Dubinsky would get his seventh from Boone Jenner at the 920 mark. And Detroit couldn't even get out of the first period ahead as the surging Cam Atkinson, who just continues to just shock me when I see 26 goals after his name, would get a goal from Dubinsky and Johnson. His uh, Dubinsky's 17th assist, Johnson's 14th of the year, and we would end one at 2-1. to one. Then the Detroit power play would strike. How about that? Boy, I mean, that's that's like earth-shattering rocket science kind of news there as um, Thomas Vanek would score a goal from Justin Ablocator and Mike Green, the power play tally, at the nine-minute mark of period two, and we would be tied up at two, and we would stay there until the fateful overtime slash non-call that turned right around and ended up right in the back of the Detroit net. Uh, Seth Jones getting the tenth, his 10th, as I said, Dubinsky, his 18th assist, and a big night for Brandon Dubinsky as he had seven, or excuse me, a goal and two assists in the game. The statistical story had Detroit being outshot by one, 27 to 26. They outfaced off, my own little word there, outfaced off the Blue Jackets by a total of 56% to 44%. Power play numbers, Detroit one of two, the Jackets were 0 of two. Detroit out hit the Jackets twenty eight to uh, twenty eight to twenty one, out blocked them eleven to four five, and each team had six giveaways. And this is one of those kind of maddening games that we we frequently talk about here. And in the box is that you know the Red Wings played a very solid statistical hockey game against one of the best teams in all the East. Can't catch a break. They do get a power play goal, which is one of the big things that we complain about, but can't catch a break with the with the overtime penalty, and they end up losing the game by a score of three to two. I mean, just just one of those just tough, tough nights for them. They they the starting netminder was Peter Morazic. He got twenty two of twenty five even strength shots in that one, and a total of twenty four of twenty seven in the game, a save percentage of only point eight eight nine. You really need your netminder to be Higher than that, you need him to be in the point nine point two area. Couldn't quite get it done on that. So, so uh, just talking of just talking about uh, what Morazic and the needs for the team is. All right, Walt is, is is frantically trying to to get this to work here. So let let's try this again. Let's get the number out two four eight five seven nine. Five two nine zero. I think I might be able to 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 get him on. So go ahead, Walt. Go ahead and give me give me a buzz here again. Let's see if we can we can get you aboard here. On vacation. That's commitment to the show right there. That is a hundred percent sure. As he is trying to uh, be a part of it, even from afar, and you gotta love that. Somebody who who cares about what the work that he does. Again, that's 248-579-5290. All right. And oh, oh, if I can make the mouse work. Oh, don't hang up. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. Yellow collar. Do we have you? Uh, let's just try sliding all the sliders up. Hang on. Stay with us. I don't even have Walt's number, so I don't know. Walt, is that you? Yeah, it is. Look at that. There, I got you in the headset. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, there you go. I, I, I feel like a crazy ex-girlfriend. Well, you kind of are. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to work here, and the crazy ex-girlfriend keeps trying to, to message me what's going on, and I'm trying to do two things at once here, but clearly, 
we we made it work and i don't know i guess we're gonna have to start building this relationship again yeah i guess so so what what did, what did i say that made you just so angry that you had to call in uh everything oh that's a, well that means i'm off and running huh that's fantastic <laughs> no 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 you're 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 fine but i i will say because i gotta i gotta be quick here and sure family vacation and it's it's time to get the, the little one into bed so dad can go have a few pints at a, at a few local watering holes oh that's that that's wonderful and you leave the podcast to me huh oh, that's that says something right there but all right good what do you what do you got for us give us give us what you got okay, for well, us this well, week well, okay uh, number one let's preference the fact i am in florida okay right no i know <laughs> I, I, you get the kids to bed florida. yeah go ahead get the kids to bed get your pints so, walk in your yeah, shorts so, that's fine you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting on the beach right now while I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> I almost want to hang up on you. I tell you, if this wasn't two hours and I didn't need some water time here, I, I would have hung up on you on that. Uh, I, I bet you would. I would have believed you. No, but um, real, a couple things real quick. The Nyquist thing, I, if he gets more than five games, I'm going to be pissed. Really? Because the precedent that it, the NHL set was uh, when they gave, they gave Keith six games last year for essentially the same thing against the Wild. If you if you remember, he 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 fell and then accidentally swung his stick up and hit the guy in the face. I do remember he that. Six, he got six games and he's he and he was a repeat offender. So yep. I mean, Nyquist has a clean record. I feel no more than five games. Okay, you know because that's the that's the precedent the NHL has set. So and I the the, the overtime winner against Columbus, I have a real problem with. Yeah, that's not not. not Here's a not just with the penalty, but with Morazic, because he was out of position because he was he was standing there like he was expecting the penalty to be called and he wasn't ready for the shot. Sure. Now, granted, credit in the world to Seth Jones with 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 the uh, with, with the boomy slap shot there. I mean, hey, great shot, but uh, and you know, and then I I I don't want to bury you too much here because I I know you haven't gotten to the Capitals yet. No, keep going or anything, but I you know. The, the goaltending this week just was not there. I mean, I I, I, I watch the Capitals quite a bit because I'm I one they're always on TV. Yep. And two, I I I I, I like Ovechkin. I like Oshie, you know. So I enjoy watching them. But I mean, that was probably the worst game the Capitals have played in, in a month. You know, and they walk away with a six three win. Yeah. You know, and you you just and they're you know a couple of those goals there. You just kind of going, man. What you know you make a save, make a save or make better decisions with the puck. And, you know, in, in, in a week where you, you, you wanted to get, you know, you, you, you probably wanted what you need it for. You need at least four points out of, out of three or out of six. Yep. Four out of six and you get over. Yeah. Zero. I mean, that's, I mean, I personally, I think that's it. You know, there, that, that's a hard, that's hard to come back from. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, that's that's kind of the way where I was going, where, where I was going to end up. I think in the long run was you know the, the giving up of back to back six to goal games. If that's what you got to do to get three, <laughs> all right, then I think I'd rather right. lose the two to one games than than these six to three shellackings. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and and the game against Washington, I mean, that, that was that was a tight game. You know, the Wings kept it close, but you know, the, the more talented team. Yeah. You know, came out on top with that. You know, because the Wings they can't. When you're playing against a team like Washington or Minnesota, you know, 
teams that are that are very good. Top, the, honestly, I mean, the, you have the two best teams in the NHL: Washington, Minnesota. Yep. You, you're you're Detroit. You got to you got to play basically mistake free hockey. They uh, and and oh. and I mean, Holtby he gave up some questionable ones, questionable ones, and uh, Dubnik he gave up some a couple softies yesterday too. So you know it. It's it's just it was it's a little frustrating to see that like okay you're you're playing against two of the best goalies in the league well I mean honestly this week you know you got yeah but you got to see Bobrovsky twice and Hopi and uh, Dubnik so you're saying three of the three are probably the, your top five goalies in NHL right now yeah and I mean they they probably deserve a better fate against Columbus both times right but but I mean you know the the game in Washington where it's just like just the the goal was to end up becoming a game winner when Razzi comes out and and Ozzy Ozzy even said it during the broadcast he said you know the Kaiser's clearly out of gas he's dog tired Marazic has to recognize that and like fire that puck off the boards and out and not try to pass it to him right because the Kaiser he he's gassed Marazic gives him the puck the Kaiser wasn't expecting him to get the puck was expecting him to pass the puck and and now granted I am defenseman so I am gonna take the defenseman's side here a little bit more By all means. than most people will. But I mean but it's you know, he's 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 gas. He has no energy and Oshi comes on him immediately, forces him forces the turnover, which leads to the goal. And that's and it's I mean not not to put not not to keep beating down Morazic, but you know, you you gotta make better decisions. And yeah, he's young. He's a younger he's he's a young goalie. He's he's gotta learn that. But that's that's just one of those that's one of those key things where when you're the Red Wings, you can't have those mental errors yeah. against a team like Washington, or else it's really going to bite you in the butt. And you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see them making a run against anybody. I don't know about you. I mean, actually, I do know about you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do know. I know exactly how you feel because you you kind of you you kind of put planted your feet firmly and 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 in, in the ground back in early January. So yeah, I not happily about it, but I mean it's Yeah. I mean when you've gone what? I mean they had the 6 in a row back in October, but their their longest they never hit, they haven't hit four since. You know, they haven't no. had a four game winning streak since I don't think. And it's just yeah, I mean they, that, they've only hit three twice. Yeah. You know. Um yeah. The the uh yeah, I'm just I'm watching the that play again. I mean you're right. I think I think what Mrazic saw was that there were four white jerseys there. So that's probably why he thought he had he was going to be okay with it, but you're right. He handed it right to the Kaiser, and that was the one guy that Oshie was on. So and just not much yeah, he could do and, about it. And 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 again, like that's not me just being defense defenseman bias, but I mean because Chris Osgood came out came right out and said it during the broadcast. He's like he can't play he can't play that puck right there. You know you know, you the know f- he he's so and Chris Osgood kind of knows a little bit about goaltending. I would say so. <laughs> The, you know, the funny thing about that game was is that I I believe it was the first time, I think the number I heard was four years, that Alex Ovechkin didn't record a shot. Yeah. That, yeah. And, that, and, and, and people, and I see people like harping on like all oh, the wings. That's how bad the wings are. Ovechkin doesn't get a shot and they still lose. And it's like, well, the Capitals, two years ago, the Capitals lose that game three to one. Right. Yeah. They, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the Washington Capitals are the best team in hockey. I mean, they have depth. I don't, and I don't think people fully understand just how good a hockey player TJ Oshie is. 
I, I, I think I think they people have a better understanding with the what thirty seven round shootout. But you're right. I think you're exactly yeah. right. I think more, I, some I, eyes got open, but I don't think enough did. I mean, TJ Oshie is a, is a darn good hockey player, yep. and and even though he got off to a slow start this year, again if he's met off, he's pretty good. Nick he, Backstrom is just Mister Consistency. I mean, I I. I would almost say Nick Backstrom is almost the Capitals' uh, Henrik Zetterberg in a way because yeah. he, he's a leader on and off the ice, and he just quietly goes about his business. Yep. Yeah. You know, I, and his, his business and of I think, oh, <laughs> baby in the background. Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> no, and and I and and I and I think a lot of people just kind of assume Backstrom has the points and does what he does because, well, he's had Ovechkin on his wing his whole career. Well, the guy. He's good. I well, mean, this is that's this is a good deep Washington Capitals team, and I mean, right? If be- they don't win the cup this year, <laughs> it's yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. They don't do it this year. I mean, because I mean, but it does seem like we've said that a hundred years now. But you're yeah. you're you're right. But to to your point about Backstrom, he's played in 708 NHL games. He's got 702 points this year. He's got 56 games played, and he's got 60 points. This is a point per game guy. I mean, yeah. and and I don't care. It's like you said. I mean, think about how Ovechkin scores his goals. It's not a lot of individual effort in terms of like. I mean, he's got some creativity and some great goals, but a lot of them are just those one timer type goals. And you got to get a perfect pass from guess who? In the majority of those cases, it's not just Ovechkin. Okay, getting it from his defenseman and carrying it the length of the ice. It's Ovechkin getting the puck from Backstrom on a great play leading to the yeah. goal. I know, and I mean, just I mean, the the depth of the Washington Capitals because they the Capitals saw what the Penguins had last year, and that's what the Penguins had. The Penguins had depth; they could they could roll out, you know, they they could roll out four lines. I mean, the Penguins' best line last year was their quote unquote third line with that you know, with, that had line. Neither, that right line. with with neither Malkin or Crosby on it. That was their best yeah. line. And and without those guys, the Penguins. I mean, do they get out of the first round? You know, do they do they beat the Capitals? No. <laughs> you know, nope. Well, that's I mean, you, you know a a friend of mine. I don't remember who it was, but says that you know the that Mike Babcock's I think approach to the playoff was you almost hope your top two lines negate yourself and you win playoff series because of your third and fourth lines. That's where you yeah. actually win playoff series is because you know what. You know Crosby, Malkin, and Kunitz are going to do against you know Crosby or uh, excuse me Ovechkin and Backstrom and whoever winged is your. It's it's those third yeah. guys. It's the Connolly guys. It's the Oshie guys right. that are going to be that are going to help you to to win playoff series. I mean, and I mean, you just just look at all you know the, the four you, you mentioned at the at the beginning of the show. Yes, I've been listening since the beginning. Look at you. Also, um, appreciate the uh, nice nice little tribute to Mister High there. Well but, deserved, I mean, of course. You you look you look at the how look at the wing Stanley Cup Stanley Cup teams. Yeah, you know, they were to fire out four three four lines every single night. Well, you know, it, you know, it, it's funny. We I don't have, know. We have the grind line, and well, Steve Eisman was on the third line the first two years. You know, yeah. I don't know if people remember that. I mean, because in in two thousand two, yeah. he was on the top line with Fedorov and Shanahan. So you think that that would yeah. be the case? In in ninety seven and ninety eight, it was. You know, I, I can remember the pairings to these day to this day where it was Brown, Kozlov, and Fedorov, Doug Brown, Slava yep. Kozlov, and, and Fedorov, and then um, it was Larionov and Shanahan were your second line with I believe one year it was McCarty and one year it was Lapointe, 
And then Eisman was down there one again, one year with McCarty and Thomas Sandstrom in the ninety seven yep. series and in ninety eight, yep. I, I forget who his wingers were in ninety eight. Probably McCarty again, McCarty or LaPointe, but that that was it. It was Steve Eisman was yeah. anchoring your third line, and we all know what the grind line did. And you know, we've all seen those <laughs> back to hockey town videos where who scored the first goals in the in that series against the Flyers? It, you know, who scored the game winner in Game Two against the Capitals? It was it was Draper yeah. coming in the back door. It was Kosher and Mulpey on the in the in those games in Philly that kind of helps set the tone. Yeah. I, I mean, I, th- oh, I think everybody remembers the uh, the Chris Draper call from Barry Melrose in yeah. Game Two against the Capitals. <laughs> oh, that was one of my favorite. <laughs> that comeback that was one of my yeah. favorite games. Yeah, SSC can then missing a wide open net. Oh. Yeah, which would have gave the Capitals a two goal lead. Yeah, that, that series probably plays out a little differently. Oh but, my God, yeah. that is that that and, was truly really unbelievable. It, you know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned how Eisenman was playing on the third line because I I'm, I'm dealing with people. I've been dealing with people hearing people tell me all week. Why is Larkin playing on the third line? Why is Larkin, well Larkin is getting points because he's playing on the third line? It doesn't matter where you play. No. If you're good, you're good. Right. You're, you're going to make other players around you better, yep. and also. They want him to play center. He wants to play center. Which center are you moving off, off your top two lines? Zetterberg or Nielsen? Right. Neither. <laughs> right? I mean. Well, and and honestly, if I, mean, uh, if I was a guy like him, put me on the third line. Let, you know, yeah. it, it, you know, you, you figure your top defensive pair is going to go against what you deem your line one. And your second pairing is going to see a lot of time against your 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 second line. So I would rather him play, you know, if you're playing Pittsburgh, let him play against Cole and uh, what's his name, Morskovsky, than Latang and, and Daly, you know? I mean, yeah. yeah. Who, who's got a better chance yeah. of getting I mean, points against? I mean, and, and, and honestly, Larkin, he hasn't, he hasn't really been that difference maker since, game, since about maybe game 45 last season. Yeah. He's been very up and down. Yep. No, you're right. I mean, it, growing pains. I mean, growing pains, yeah, but like, I'm starting to kind of get the feeling. This could be way early. I'm starting to get the feeling that he's a guy and not the guy. Uh. You know? like cause I, I, And I think a lot of people want Dylan Larkin to, around here to be the man because right. he's from here. Right. And it's one of those things where I, I see him and because, again, people like well, – well, he's not getting points because he's, he's playing with Riley Sheehan and he's playing with all these other guys and they're not going. I'm like, well, it's just, he's a center. It's your job to make those other guys better. Right. I, I don't, I don't care how, how. I mean, Andrew Shaw was playing on a was playing on a on a wing with Jonathan Tace. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Brian Bickle was playing on a was playing opposite wing of Patrick Kane. Right. No, you're exactly you right. Know, the, you know. The, yeah, because those guys are thirty goal scorers, <laughs> right? They got paid like they <laughs> oh. were, though. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, whatever. Different guy. But I mean, I and and I I, I look at a guy like Anthony Cu, who like who who's not not getting a ton of ice time because they want him to be better on both sides of the puck. Right, which which the wings are stuff, and I like. Hey, that's great. You can score a bunch of goals. That's great. But if you if you if you can't play in your own zone, you're not going to see the ice a lot. Which I like because you need to be a two way player in today's NHL. Absolutely. Unless you're Patrick Kane rolling out of bed scoring thirty goals, then okay, sure. <laughs> you know, but you know, I mean, but you but you saw it last year. The the uh, somewhat controversial last year with St. Louis was uh, Ken Hitchcock, he, he would bench Tarasenko in the final five minutes of the game because he didn't trust Tarasenko with the puck in his own end. He, he didn't trust him defensively. And that's one of the premier goal scorers in the league. 
and he's not seeing the ice at the end of the game because the coach doesn't trust him. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because there was a, a this is a, a verified Twitter account, uh, Dmitry Filipikov, Philip Filipikovic. Oh, yeah, okay, whatever. But he's yeah, sure that guy. Yeah, okay, him from Sports Not. Yeah, Dmitry Martin got it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sportsnet CA and, and my buddy George, who I know isn't listening, but I'm still going to give him credit where it's due, um, posted this tweet to a, a guy conversation that you know a conversation that we a group of us have always going. Andreas Athanasiu now tied in five versus five on five goals with Ovechkin, Kane, Kucherov, Marner, and Atkinson, despite playing 200 to 300 minutes fewer than them. Think yeah. about that. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I mean, and and now, now the other night I can't remember if it was in, against in Columbus or against Washington. I think it was Washington. He played almost seventeen minutes that night, which is like okay, hey, I, he got a bump of ice, right? You know, but I mean, it's yeah, you you have to you and they want you to do it every shift, game in, game out. You know, I mean, I have it up here. Hey, he played sixteen thirty nine against the Caps. Sixteen thirty nine. Okay, yep. yeah. I knew, it was, I knew it was almost 17. It was around there, almost 17. Yeah, no, that's but that. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, also, I, I think Anthony Mantha, he, he's, I, I guess my biggest issue with Dylan Larkin lately is when is the last time you noticed him on the ice? Right, right. It's a great point. I mean, you you notice when Mantha comes out. You notice when Anthony C is out there. Right. Well, and, me, like, the, I mean, I I found my I found myself trying to pay attention yesterday. Like I'm gonna cause, because because I had a conversation with someone Saturday, and I was like, well, I'm gonna watch. It. I'm really gonna pay extra extra close attention when he's on the ice. And the only time I noticed when Larkin was on the ice was when he's getting off. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you know, I mean, they, they weren't saying his name, right? They, you know, you're barely getting a mention of, of Dylan Larkin during games. Now, again, I'm not I'm not saying that he's a bum. He's a boss. Or anything like that. He's still he obviously has talent, but right. Well, but I don't. You know, it go. It I also go. He's go ahead. Go ahead. No. I, I was just gonna hey, say it. Just <laughs> I was just gonna say <laughs> that it's it just goes to show it kind of. But getting back to that point of, of top line and and making your players better, where you do you notice you notice Mantha? Yes, because big guy making plays, but you notice him because he's playing with Zetterberg, and Zetterberg has been well, making yeah. still making people better. Even though everybody, you know, they point to, oh, this team's so old, and it's really not. But you, you, you see, because Zetterberg is still leading the team because he's making the guys better. I mean, I feel like, did we just talk about this last week? How Hayward Zetterberg is 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 hands down been their best player. Yeah, not Nate. Well, him and Vanek, yeah. I think yeah, that that was I mean, the exact conversation we had. He's plus thirteen on a team that is minus thirty, I believe. Yeah, forty-one and, points in fifty-six games, and, and you know, and he got he got off to the slow start, which I mean, by now we should all we should all know Zetterberg doesn't heat up till December, right? <laughs> you know, right? He doesn't get going till December ever. Well, and so, it, it's funny because that's right when my first show was, and I was like, "Wow, you know what? I don't know. I may leave Zetterberg exposed to the draft. Maybe they take the bad salary." Now it's like, yeah, you know, hell, yeah, I want to resign the two old guys. Guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, well, yeah, because you know, back in November, when you hear that he wants to play out the duration of his contract, you're 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 cringing, right? Like, oh, uh, really? Oh, uh, right. I don't think you're gonna make it. And right now, it's like, oh, well, yeah, please do. 
<laughs> exactly. Because outside of uh, outside of like I said, the other thirty to thirty something on the team, Thomas Vanek, you've been the most consistent yeah. player. And Vanek again, you the most consistent Vanek, I would say, in terms of scoring, just because I mean that's what he's here for. And you know, it, well, it, yeah. it's funny. And and I and I make that point because I mean, I remember games early in the season that was I mean, Ken and Mick couldn't say anything about Vanek without immediately saying He's not going to win the Selkie. He's not going to be the best defensive no. player out there. No. You don't want him to be. Yeah. You're just looking for points from him, and, and that's pretty much what he's been, and that's not a complaint because this obviously I mean, is a team that needs scoring. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's not exactly a guy who's, who's going to go out there and get you 50 assists right. in a year. You know? He's not that guy. But, I mean, and which, which is fine if you have a couple guys. like If you have one or two guys like that, like, hey, go out there, score goals. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, but, I mean, look what it, look what it did for Phil Kessel last year when he had to worry about all the extra things, right? Like, hey, was playing in Toronto and being in the face and all and and all the stuff. It's just, hey, you're you're another guy on this team. You're not you're not even a second tier guy here. Yeah. You know? No, I know. Yeah. We're, we're we're gonna put you on the line. Just go out there, score. We're not gonna ask you to kill penalties. We don't care. We don't you know just try to be in, in the defensive zone when the puck's there kind of thing. I mean, look, I mean, seriously, 43 games, 14 goals, 22 assists for 36 points, plus three, only 14 PIMs, five power play goals, which is remarkable for this team, 10 power play points, two game winners, 91 shots, which I bring up because that means the shooting percentage is over 15 and people want him traded. Yeah, (laughs) I I mean, I mean, well, I I get it. I mean, I get it, but I also see the fact that he's. Like I, like we were just saying a minute ago, maybe has been your best player. Why not try to get him to stay for three years as opposed to trading him and making yeah. him a little bit of a cornerstone while he's still apparently there's a lot left in this tank here. No, I, I I agree with you, but you know it's just it's he's one of he's one of those he's one of the few players on the scene that the Wings can actually get anything remotely close to being considered value. Yeah, no, you're right. Only, you know, which is the only reason you get trade them is if you know you're going to get something of, of substantial value for. No, you're what right. That value is I don't know. No, I agree, I but know. I don't. But his value is the fact that his contract was what three million, and it expires after this yeah. year, and he's going to have he's going to probably by the deadline he's going to have forty points, and player uh, teams would eat that up. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I mean I'm a fan of Manic. I I liked the signing at, at the time. I did too. I just I viewed it as a guy. Hey, it's a one-year deal. If he stinks, eh. right? You put him on waivers. Yeah, no. Now, I, 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 I will. I will like this about. I talked to Phil about this this weekend about my, uh, my me jinxing the wings. Okay, I, I, I jinxed the wings this week because I said last Monday, um, which you can go back and listen to on SoundCloud in the box. Nice. Um, I, I said last Monday, oh, yeah, we're, we're getting some guys back healthy. That means we're going to lose two or three. Well, Erickson's done for the year. Yep. Vanek is hurt. You know, he missed the game uh, yesterday. Yep. And now we're, we're going to lose Gus for, for a few games here. So, <laughs> Way to go, Walt. Way to go. It's, it's my fault. It's yeah? my fault. How do you sleep at night? I, uh, uh, very comfortably. Oh, that's good. All right. Well, glad, glad to hear that. <laughs> Very comfortable. That's very, that's perfect. That's what we want to hear. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Oh, um, j- just just a little something. I'll, I'll just toss you a little bone here for for something for you, for you to talk about in the second hour. I don't know if you have anything. I was gonna but, do. Tra- uh, I'm gonna do a little trade deadline talk. I think. 
some, okay. some rumors, um, well, this, stuff I like mean, that. I mean, this this could fit in with it. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, yep. they have not won back-to-back games in regulation since December 17th. Oof. And they're only six points up on the Ottawa Senators. Oh, boy. And they're struggling. And Carey Price isn't so, hurt. Yeah, <laughs> which is normally that, that that means that that normally that's what that translation is is that Curry yeah. Price is hurt. Yeah, no, Curry Price is he's he's healthy, mm. so that's just a little and and they're they they're they're in a rumor mill to to add some scoring to their team as well. They've been in a conversation with the uh, Matt for Matt Duchesne and Gabby Landeskog too. I, I believe either or yeah, either one that they can get off so. And uh, they're also in talks with with Vibrata uh, and uh, and out of out of the Coyotes. So who gets? That's just something interesting. Interesting. I'm just keeping an eye out on that because the fact that Claude Julian got fired before Michelle Terry is a joke. Yeah. Well, although. <laughs> and then did you? I don't know if you caught earlier that the third star of the week or one of the three stars was Jake Allen, who's three and zero since Ken yeah. Hitchcock was fired, and he's goals against <laughs> yeah. the average of one. So go figure that one out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jason Palmerville was, was, was three star this week, huh? Yeah. I, and then uh, Arv, uh, Arvidsson from Nashville. Three. I mean. Yeah. It, it's funny how guys can I, rise up and have a week, huh? <laughs> I, I, I saw, because like, I got the little alert in my little NHL app I have there. I got the alert to three stars, and it said Jason Pominville. And I was like, wow. <laughs> 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 because, it's, I mean, I remember Pominville when he was in Buffalo, when he was a Sabre. Yeah, that was that and, was one of the things. It was his first four-point game since 2011 with the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> And, and he left Buffalo and went to Minnesota. Just kind of like just one of those guys you forget about. Yeah, you know, just very he's just a guy who's very easy to forget about. Good hockey player, obviously, right? But you know, there's just you know when you're going three stars in a week, you're not expecting to see Jason Thomasville. Mm, no, absolutely not. At that. No, absolutely <laughs> not. That's a hundred percent true. All right, brother. I'm gonna let you get back to the show. I'm gonna keep listening. Thank you very much. Appreciate you calling in, Walt. No problem. I'll, right. I'll, I'll talk to you soon, huh? Sounds good, man. Enjoy the weather. All right. All right. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. And see, that could be you. You could be calling in. I mean, I'm trying to run two computers, but that could definitely be you. 248-579-5290. Hit us up. Hit me up. That way you don't have to just listen to my voice. You can hear your own voice, too. We got it open here. Be going to keep an eye out. Try to answer if if I can here. To you can join us in the box. To uh, to Walt's point though, it's 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 very. Uh, I th- I think we beat the, the the capital game to death. Uh, you know I I I did want to get to the stats from that capital game, just because it thirty one seventeen shots on goal in favor of the Caps, but all the secondary numbers. Um, Favor of the Wings, faceoffs were 50-50. Wings scored another power play goal. They were one for two. The Caps were one for one with the power play. Hits, Detroit was credited with 13. Washington was credited with 16. Blocks, Detroit had 17, or excuse me, 15 block shots. Washington was seven. Those are puck control numbers is what that is. When you get 31 on goal and have another 15 blocked, you know, right there, that's 46 towards the net. 
versus the Red Wings only having 24 because they had the 17 shots on goal and then the seven blocked. That's that's not the numbers that you want to see. Um, Washington had a good puck, good portion of that, and then the giveaways though. There there is one telling number where giveaways. 13 for the Caps, 7 for the Wings, but we saw one of those 7 for the Wings was the the big turnover by DeKaiser that led to the goal by Carlson as Oshie had taken it away to make it 4-3. Oshie would get his 22nd on the power play to make it 5-3, and uh, Backstrom would get his 16th to make it 6-3. Do want to talk about the Athanasiu goal against Ovechkin? I know that, that got some eyes open. And I say against Ovechkin as he made a nifty little move after getting a pass from Sproul. Vanek also with the assist, but it was uh, just a really nice, uh, both the shot and the play. Creating the space with Ovechkin in front of him was fantastic. But then the the snipe shot to beat Holtby, you know, Holtby's in the conversation for one of the best goalies in the world. I I, I don't think that's that's going out on too much of a limb to say that. And he uh, had an opportunity. Uh, but just a, a great, great move as uh, Athanasi moved down on the backhand. Just, just gave him that little shoulder shimmy to beat Ovechkin, and then came right in and fired it home. And you know that's the kind of thing where you know, for those of you that 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 have been listening for a while, early on I said you know I I wasn't really sure. You know, the Phil and, and Walt were so high on Andreas Athanasi, and I was just like, well, let's hold it, boys. All right, let's see exactly. What happens here? I mean, you know, he he's got good speed, but let's see what the scoring is going to do. And and I tell you, I mean, you, you're nervous to jump the gun based on the the 21 and 14. You know, we were we were ready to crown them the next Fedorov and Iserman, and then it was Datsuk and Zetterberg, and then it was Nyquist and Tatar. And I, I think some of us are <laughs> about that, but still. You know, uh, it is what it is, moral of the story. But I, I, I like what he's doing, and I think that that's obviously really, really big. Um, the next night, the next game of the week was the game against Columbus. Want to get into the numbers against the Jackets here real fast. Um, as they were uh, wings, the shots on goal in that one, 39 to 36 in favor of the Jackets. Detroit again out face-offing. My my made up word there fifty two to forty eight. They got a power play goal, so that was three straight games with a power play goal, which goes to show that even though we said once the power play picked up, hopefully it would lead to more points. Well, they get three straight games with a power play goal and end up losing all three. They were out hit seventeen to seven. Blocks were fourteen thirteen in favor of Detroit. Only four giveaways, which is good to see. Um, nine for the Jackets. Boone Jenner has scored his tenth to get the scoring started as the Wings fell behind again in the first period, giving up the first goal. Vanek would get his 14th from Zetterberg and Helm on the power play at 16.06. The only other goal in the game would be scored by, again, Cam Atkinson. I just can't believe it. Jenner and Dubinsky assist on that one at 11.27 of the second, and that would be all the scoring in that one. Mrazek got the start, got 37 of 39 shots, save percentage of .5 basically, which is pretty rock solid, but Bobrovsky with a save percentage of .97 makes it even a little bit better. And before we break here, we're just going to go through real fast and and run down that that Minnesota game here. Uh, The trouble that the Wings had with the Wild, uh, again, they kept battling back in this one before it just kind of the wheels finally came off 
in a game that they had worked all the way back to 3-3 three to three after falling behind a couple of different points. I'm sorry, that was the capital game. I don't think they ever got this one back to even. It was, it was Granlin and Niedermeyer, Niederreier, both of those on the power play in the first period. Detroit down by a score of 2 to nothing in the locker room after one. In the second, Mantha would get his 13th from Olette. Olette's seventh assist. Nyquist's 22nd assist at the 652 mark. Detroit would be within one. Then Coyle would get his 14th to make it 3 to 1. Pominville gets one of those assists. Zetterberg's 13th right after that. It was less than two minutes later. Zetterberg's 13th from Olette and Mantha to make it 3 to 2. But Parisi would score and Athanasiu would answer. So it would be back to 4 to 3. But then Fullen and Parisi would score at 7.20 and 10.50, the Parisi goal on the power play. And that would be all the scoring in that one. Again, stats don't look terrible. The big stat really is the power play numbers. Uh, the shots on goal, 34-30 in favor of Detroit faceoffs. Detroit won 59% of the draws. The problem was their, their power play 0-for-1. The wild power play was 3-for-4. And that one giveaways were only credited as two to four in favor of the Wild having more, and block shots were thirteen to ten. Uh, the starting netminder Jared Caro got the start, only got twenty four of thirty shots, where Devin Dubnik got thirty one of thirty four. All right, folks, we're going to use this opportunity to take a quick little timeout. When we come back, we're going to take a little bit of a preview at the trade deadline here, coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. You're listening to In the Box. And then oh, soft fade. Listen to that. That's beautiful work right there. Uh, yeah, I hate turning off Stairway to Heaven, but we got we got some more things to talk about. So let's go ahead and jump right into them. So we, we covered the week that was for the Wings. You know, and, and for those of you that have listened to the show again, we're in the box. Well, I'm in the box right now sitting there. I, I committed the loan penalty. I'm the only one in the box. Uh, my teammate Walt has been uh, released. He's out on the play down in Florida. And oddly enough, our other teammate, uh, Phil, is, is actually playing hockey. So, you know, it's perfectly allowed. But uh, the three of us have, have talked about how the and, – and Walt alert, uh, kind of alluded to it when he, when he called in, which we appreciate – that the the eleven games between the trade deadline or the uh, the All Star break and then the bye week was basically the, the going to be the deciding set of games for, for this for this Red Wing team and and as because at the end of the the eleventh game they they get the week off bye and then I believe they play either a game bef- the night of the deadline or the night before the deadline so that eleven game stretch we had is really really circled and in in that stretch so far they've played seven of those games two four and one I mean it's just this was the time i mean i i really and and honestly any team at any time I really feel like for the most part outside of probably Colorado and Arizona can go on a big run at any particular point but i I've lost the belief that this team can go on a you know here we go let's win let's go win eight straight it's just it's just not going to happen and of course i mean maybe the reverse jinx will work here because i just said that it's not going to happen they will now come out and win eight straight and that would be i'd be perfectly fine with that that would be a okay um they would probably do it without making any deadline moves because i mean like i said two four and one they're only going to get four more games in and it's not an easy slate of games um, they are at home, but again, home hasn't really been the, the Joe hasn't been much of a home ice advantage for this squad. 
although when you're two games below 500, it doesn't really matter where you're playing, but they've got um, St. Louis coming in on Wednesday, 8 o'clock. I believe that's a rivalry night game, NBCSN. Then at 2 o'clock on Saturday, they get the Capitals coming into Detroit. That is followed up the next night on NBC. The The Wings will travel to Pittsburgh to play the Penguins before finishing and getting their week-long break Tuesday. We'll be back air on, on air on the 20th, but on the 21st, the Wings will play the Islanders at home. So those are the four games, three of them at home, the Blues, the Capitals, and the Islanders, the Penguins on the road. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I don't want to give predictions on this, but but like I said, I mean, even if you win those all, you're only at 6-4-1 and one in that 11-game stretch. It's only 13 points. I don't know if if when this started, that was going to be enough to get it done to 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 not sell off here. And and again, as as Walt and I talked about just a few moments ago, I think that the biggest piece that you have is Vanek because of the length of the deal being short term, being over at the end of the year, and then the the fact that he's been putting up really good numbers for the squad. The the one exception to. I don't know. I'm I'm a believer that Mike Green could be dealt. Uh, I know Walton Phil not as high on that, just because he's only got another year left. Granted, it's at uh, six or seven million, but uh, somebody who feels like they the the one piece that they're missing is a right-handed offensive defenseman um, that can log eighteen to twenty-two minutes a night. If they feel that that's all they're away, I think you could possibly net something for Mike Green, but. A couple of the trade deadline rumors, and this is really one of my favorite times of the NHL season. Um, because I'm sure as most of you that if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably played an NHL game in your life. And, uh, this is where you get to do the trades and you, you get to see how much better teams can get. And some of the hot rumors going around right now is, uh, Joe Sackick of the Avs is in heated conversations with the Bruins at this particular point. And it looks like that one of the, the big conversation pieces there. Possibly Brandon Carlo, one of the, the the youngster defensemen for the Bruins, and and this is this would be such a Bruin move would be to trade a young defenseman, see Dougie Hamilton, um, who they have under entry level deal until the end of 2019, and trade him for potentially Gabriel Landeskog to play behind Brad Marchand, who <laughs> Landeskog's in the middle of a the third year of a uh, the third year of a seven year thirty nine million dollar deal. I don't know where you are going to find the money to replace a guy who's probably making nine hundred thousand with a guy that's making uh, north of five million. But that would be such a Bruin thing to do when you feel like you need a forward. That's got to be it. And I, I know that they have a big hole on their left side as that Marchand line with Pasternak and. Um, Bergeron is so good, but you know, Krejci and Bacchus, they need one more guy, and maybe it'll be Landeskog, but giving up a young defenseman like Carla Boy, who uh a lot of people are really high on, could be uh would be would be enough to potentially get it done. But uh word is that the they really don't want uh Boston's Don Sweeney really does not want to make that move, does not want to give up on the young defenseman Carlo. Uh the Ducks are working the phones. Uh, they are looking to potentially their nine um get land a forward and get some uh offense going here. They are ninety four even strength goals is the seventh fewest in the league, and they sit eighteenth in goals overall, nineteenth in scoring offense. You know they seem to be breeding 
young defensemen out there that can make plays as uh Brandon Montour is another one coming up. We and and Josh Manson, we all know uh, Fowler and Vantanen and um, Shea Theodore also under the age of 25. So those five guys all under the age of 25, Fowler, Montour, Vantanen, Manson and, and Shea Theodore all under the age of 25. And they could they could they could be good pieces and maybe even a couple of them could be really good pieces if you get them moving. But the Ducks are against the cap, so anything that you send out, you're going to need to send cap out and sent to to get cap back. The there's talk they're also in the conversation for Landeskog. His official cap hit five point seven one per year, so they'd have to the 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 key candidates to to get rid of to create that cap room there would be Clayton Stoner or getting Kevin Bieksa to waive his no trade clause. So good luck with that. But that's kind of what Anaheim looking for and in Pittsburgh needs help defensively right now as they are hurting on the back end. Latang, Daly, and Dumoulin all down or have been down for extended period of times this season. They're worried about their depth. Uh, Derek Puglio, Brandon Gauntz, uh, Steve Ol- uh, Oleksi, Chad Rudowal, and David Warofsky have been their backup and been the guys that have filled in the blanks, but they have combined those five players combined only nine playoff games so they also would love to bring in a defenseman as they've done in the past years at trade deadlines like Daly, ian cole justin schultz i mean they've had some success bringing guys in at the deadline but again a team that's up against the cap so if they're going to bring in bring in money they're going to have to get send some out they already have 65 million committed in contracts for next season gives you an idea of what the pens are looking at here Anything that you want to see happen or, or think would be good, go ahead and give us a call in here on the Skype line at 248-579-5290. you got to be tired of just hearing my voice. Let me get your voice on this one here. Um, saw a list, though, that I wanted to get through here, too, and, and discuss of, of 25 most likely guys to be traded at the deadline. And this is a very interesting list. Too of who do you want to see come here and who would you like to see uh, ship out? Honest, oddly enough, only one wing, only Vanek. So maybe not oddly enough, as that's what Walt and Phil have been saying the whole time. Uh, Vanek is the only Red Wing on here. A couple of goaltenders, as you would expect. Uh, ben Bishop in Tampa, as you know, they feel so comfortable with uh, Ves- uh, Veselevsky as their backup and taking over the reins going forward. And I don't even know if Steve Eisen is going to have any money to get keep Ben Bishop at his $6 million cap hit that he's at. 30-year-old with a 2.63 goals against average and a .91 save percentage. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So you would be, you'd be renting Ben Bishop, but he's got Stanley Cup final experience. Uh, veteran netminder. Uh, another one there would be Andre uh, Pavlik from Winnipeg. 29-year-old, three, making $3.9 million a year. He'll be an unrestricted free agent, although... Goals against average of over 3.5, save percentage below 0.89. So I would think you'd be getting him to back up either that or you feel real good that your defense is better than theirs. Two other uh, netminders hit this list. One is Marc-Andre Fleury. That's not a surprise. His $5.75 million cap hit, 3.17 goals against average, and 9.04 save percentage. Two years also left on his deal. He does have a no trade clause that he's have to waive, but I mean Pittsburgh got to be more than comfortable going forward with Matt Moore, considering uh, he you know won them a Stanley Cup. I would I feel like they're probably pretty good with what he's doing. And the last netminder on this list was Euro Halak, who I you know 
I don't. It says he's played in 21 games. I thought he had been sent down to the minors for the Islanders. He's given up over three goals per game, so and uh, save percentage of .94 as well. So not a lot of stellar. I'd say if if Ben Bishop would be the the key one that might draw. That's going to get a lot of interest drawn here defensively. Kevin Shattenkirk, and now here's the guy I'm high on that Phil and 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 Walt are not. I would I believe at 27 years old, Kevin Shattenkirk could be the he's an improvement over every defenseman that you have on this roster right now. The concern, obviously, two concerns: one, he's an unrestricted free agent; two, is the expansion draft. So if you if you trade for him, you got to make sure you can sign him, and then if you sign him, you got to make sure you can keep him. Obviously, those are in question, but a 27-year-old defenseman, 11 goals, 39 points on the year. I know he's a big minus, which, you know, give and go what that that stat could be. But again, we've talked about St. Louis's troubles scoring goals um, or St. Louis's troubles. You know, we'll see if that number turns around in the weeks leading up to the deadline with uh, Ken Hitchcock on, see what uh, where his numbers go. I I like the idea of Shanton Kirk not not for this year. I would like to like I said, I'm thinking long term. I'm thinking that's a piece. Um as I said, he's probably better than <laughs> any defenseman that you have on this roster right now and if you can make that improvement, maybe ship out somebody that one of those middling guys, you know, we talked about it last week. And this team's got nine defensemen that are basically the same exact guy at various points on the way up and down the hill and and I think Shanton Kirk's better than all of them. But a team looking to win would probably feel the exact same way and want to bring him in. Uh, Mike Stone was five on this list from Arizona. Arizona just populates this list all over the place. Martin Hansel is number three. Uh, Mike Stone is number five. Right, uh, Redeem Verbata is six. Uh, let's see. Who else we got here? Anthony Duclair is on this list, which I don't think they're going to trade the 21-year-old who's making under 800000 Yes, I know he's having a rough year. In 41 games, only 12, only nine points. But maybe unless they feel like a change of scenery is needed, uh, I would think that you that would be the kind of guy you'd want to keep. Also, Shane Doan made the list, 3.8 million of the 40-year-old, 18 points on the year. But he does have a, a non, uh, no movement clause, so he'd have to waive that as well. There are some surprising names on this list. I mean, given how bad uh, Colorado's been, I don't think Matt Duchesne or any avalanche that you see on here is going to be a surprise. Evander Kane from Buffalo, that's a little bit of a shocker to me. Is, is I feel, you know, he had a two-goal game against Toronto on Saturday. Yes, he's making $5.3 million and has only scored 28 points, but, you know, he's had an up-and-down kind of personal life issue. And if he's got that worked out, I, I, you know, I, I think that there there may be some some... He might have it right in Buffalo. You know, he's got with, with Jack Eichel and all the young talent there. O'Reilly, he might be settling in there. I, I would be surprised if Buffalo moved him. Patrick Berglund made the list, which at three point seven five million, he made the list. He does have a no trade clause, but he's an unrestricted free agent, so that's going to be the main reason why you see him there. A good second, third line center. He could he could make somebody better down the middle, a little bit deeper. Patrick Sharp and his $6 million with his no-movement clause. He is an unrestricted free agent, 13 points in 31 games. I don't, again, I you, you'd have to make sure he was through the concussions, good to go, ready to go. Oddly enough here, too, this this name really uh, jumped out at me. Jordan Everly from Edmonton, 
making six million a year, only thirty-two points on the year. He's making that six million for. Uh, he's got two more years left after this year. It's a good young player. Uh, I don't know. Wings talk about that. See if there's anything. Maybe the the Oilers would want an older player in Vanek to a more sure head, sure thing as opposed to Jordan Eberle. That would surprise me, but I think Eberle, again, might be better. Although maybe what they're thinking is that it's their Nyquist or Tatar, and maybe that would be a deal to make. Send Nyquist's $5 million over there to Edmonton, $6 million over here from Eberle. They get to save a little bit of money. We take on a player who potentially has a higher ceiling. Might be an idea of coming the deadline. Uh, Jerome McGinlon here, of course, I, I you might as well just put Colorado Avalanche roster. I mean, that would be probably the most accurate thing. And as as this team is as bad as they are, and you could see it, um, any one of those guys going, would Buffalo trade their captain, Brian Gianta, on this list? Having a pretty good season, 27 points in 56 games at age 37. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He also has a no-trade clause at the end of the year. Uh, Alex Burrows, also worth mentioning on this list here. As he has, uh, at age 35, he is making $4.5 million, 20 points this year. The unrestricted free agent who's got a no-trade clause. So he'd have to waive that to get moved at the deadline. Just a couple of different pieces and potentials here. Just so some of the names that you may hear uh, around the deadline, at the deadline, guys that could get moved. Of course, there's always going to be that player that nobody saw coming that gets moved and, and kind of surprises everybody. But uh, just so you can kind of get a, it's your free agent primer there. Chicago's also said for wanting debt or excuse me, uh, Stan Bowman came out and said that he didn't see himself being one to make trades, wanted to given their cap situation. That's not surprising. It, it's funny how the top teams can't really get a lot better because they're the top teams because they've spent all their money on their big players and, you know, to get pieces in, good quality pieces to help out, you got to ship salary out. And a lot of people don't want to take on a bad contract unless it's expiring, and that's what they need. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And, again, th- th- there's a big wrinkle in, in this as well. With that expansion draft is, you know, do you want to trade somebody that you might have control of for three years that's an average player to get a good player, but that good player – you only get for a short time and then you lose another good player at the at the deadline so or at the at the expansion draft like for example let's let's say the wings this this very roster was uh was leading uh was in the playoffs right now and they decide that they want to make a move so they sh- ship out Nyquist for Patrick Berglund again given Nyquist's numbers that's not really a loss but just for instance your humor me on this one so you end up doing that and then you end up losing Berglund to free agency. You've traded Nyquist, and then you lose another forward to free, to the expansion draft. Guys, teams could lose three guys right there. There's an example where you you put yourself in a really bad way if you kind of get too far ahead of things here, and and you make a lot of deals. Which is why there's there's been some talk that this could be a very boring deadline for that reason. Teams won't want to 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 risk losing guys or lose trade a player to get a free agent and then lose another player at the draft and have a triple whammy hit you right now. Um, got a couple of other rumors that we did hear um, that I, I did see here that I just clicked on on a, on a refresh here. 
Doesn't look like anything new. Uh, Shattenkirk, Blues looking to move Shattenkirk. Yeah, well, saw that. So that's not surprising. Fleury is coveted by teams. So there are there is a market for Marc-Andre Fleury. Potentially Dallas, which, as we've talked about, they have a goaltending situation at all times because they have two goaltenders that can't stop anything. Matt Duchesne to the Predators or Penguins. There's a thought. What would the... I, I, don't ask me how you'd get Crosby, Malkin, and Duchesne under the salary cap, but that would be an interesting move. Um, as we talked about, the Bruins are looking at Duchesne or Landeskog. They want somebody else there, and there's a lot of people looking at Thomas Vanek. Apparently, the Flyers, the Kings, and the Senators are all looking to get their hands on Thomas Vanek, which is upsetting to me and it would be the 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 rare situation where I would be so keeping my fingers crossed that they he would be able to come back and have some interest in uh, coming after being one of those rare people that ends up being traded, but then coming back to the team that traded him at the deadline. Do you have a couple of games going on around the NHL right now? Um, before we get to those, please feel free to give us a call in here on the studio Skype line here at two four eight five seven nine. 5290 again that's 248-579-5290 uh, love to have your take on it deadline deals you'd like to see from your favorite team whether it be the red wings or somebody else go ahead let's talk about it what do you think who do you got who's moving who's not moving we can hear any of that from you here meanwhile the two games that are going on we are uh Second intermission here in New York, excuse me, in Columbus, as the Rangers and the Jackets are all locked up at one goal apiece. It was a shorthanded goal, or let's see, let me get the goal scores here. I don't want to tell you, I don't want to tell you the wrong thing. I don't want to tell you the wrong thing here. Scoring summary on this one, it was yes, a shorthanded goal by Dan Girardi, with actually twelve seconds into the period, his fifth of the year. That answered Brandon Dubinsky's goal, his ninth. Boy, it seems like Brandon Dubinsky might be getting white hot because <laughs> he had the three-point game against Detroit. Then he assisted on one of the goals in the 2-1 game against Detroit, and now he's got a goal in this one. Brandon Dubinsky doing uh, some damage against his former team, the New York Rangers. There's two teams jockeying for position in the playoff race. Antti Ranta got the start for the Rangers, while Sergei Bobrovsky Got the start for the Jackets. 13 saves on the night for Bobrovsky. 19 so far for Ranta through two periods of play. Also, over in the Western Conference, we're about uh, 13 minutes through the first period in Calgary where the Flames trail the Coyotes 1-0. The Flames at 28-25-3. The Yotes at 13 or excuse me, 18, 28, and 7. Yeah, that barely hits 40. Only 43 points on the year for, for Phoenix or for Arizona or the Phoenix Coyotes of Arizona brought to you by Scartsdale and Scarsdale and Tempe and whatever they're going to end up being called. You could see the whole name du jour coming out. Mike Smith already with 11 saves. Chad Johnson getting the start. He's made six saves in that one. The goal was scored. Martin Hansel has got the goal from Max Domi and Redeem Verbata for the Coyotes. Uh, one of their pickups, uh, Alexander Burmistroff, picked up on the deadline or picked up via the waiver wire, continues to uh, will be is in the lineup here. 
He's doing well with the Yotes so far since being uh, exiled from Winnipeg and being a deadline acquisition or being a uh, waiver wire pickup. That happened back uh, January 16th. And in his time with Phoenix, he has uh, one goal, six assists. Pretty pretty good work there since joining the, the Coyotes. Playing uh, some nights in upwards of 20 minutes, other nights down around 13. So Dave Tippett really going all over the place with his line combinations and who's playing how long. Also want to mention, too, you know, uh, I think last week we brought it up. Alexi Marchenko was picked up uh, by the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs when he tried to clear waivers. He has not yet gotten into a game in Toronto yet. No games played while in Toronto yet for Alexi Marchenko. So, you know, we always get that fear is the big fear. Oh, no, how do you let Furt go for nothing? Oh, no, how do you let Polkinen go for nothing? Oh, no, how do you let Marchenko go for nothing? And so far, all three of them. Furt came back. I don't even. I don't even know where Polkinen is right now, and Marchenko still has yet to see the ice for Toronto. And that may be coming soon, though. Given some of their kind of flattening out as of late, they're in the playoff spot again. Just what a job Mike Babcock has done with that team, and it it hurts to say. Although, I mean, I, I really think that. I mean, it's you know, I know getting kind of going kind of rogue here, but I do feel like this was really. Um, they're they're really doing a, a really great um ah, that there goes the train of thought completely gone i, I lost it here is and saw a headline that nyquist is getting just uh they're not buying gustav nyquist explanation for spearing jared spurgeon's in the face so now is nyquist a marked man so <laughs> that's good that's something to make uh something to make a little noise here down the stretch good get 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 get, get Get Gus a little bit of some anxiety here and some some names going against them there. Uh, yeah, no problem with that. But um, again, I'm sorry. Getting back to it, it was we were discussing some of the players that had been released and and let go and claimed off the waiver wire with uh, with Marchenko again, not playing in for Toronto yet. And I say yet because they they have uh, four four and two in their last ten. They're in the playoff picture again. The credit that Mike Bat, the job that Mike Babcock has done there. Hate to say it, but I I feel like the message was getting old here. The team wasn't really improving, although they obviously have not been improving at all with Jeff Blashill behind the net night or behind the bench. And you just wonder how much longer he's going to have. Although you know, people quickly say, "Well, if you don't have talent, how do you win?" And that's fair too. Just so many problems right now is. What is it? Is it the chick kind of the chicken or the egg mentality with this with this squad? It's what we've talked about pretty much the last two months. Where you know, I always thought that once the power play got cooking, you know, they'd be they'd be better, better power play and consistent goaltending. Well, they did not. They got the power play working, goals in three straight games, and they lost all three because they were giving up six a game in net. So what that kind of gives you an idea of how the team has struggled as of late. Again, any thoughts that you have, go ahead and give us a call in here at 248-579-5290. Again, it's 248-579-5290. This is In the Box with Thomas, Walt, and Phil, minus Sands, Walt, and Phil. 
So as those two guys, other obligations tonight, they should be back next Monday. Dear God, I hope they are. Let's put it that Let, let me just tell, tell, tell it like it is. I, I hope they're back next Monday. Give me a little hand over here. That'd be great. That'd be great to get the guys back, as I'm sure they will be. So kind of cool thing going on here with uh, with Brayden Holtby as he's got a, a mass to support the You Can Play project that the Washington Capitals are are behind. You may have seen something like that from uh, around the uh, NHL as they try to be inclusive for everybody. I know Toronto also just had that. A big, a good initiative for the NHL. So it's what you really want to see. Trying to be as inclusive as ever um, in, in the idea of all people being welcome here into the great game of hockey. So I think uh, I think at this point here, I'm going to go ahead and, and wrap it up for tonight. Go ahead and wrap it up a little bit early. Thank you all for listening tonight. I know uh be happy to have uh, both Walt and Phil back next week in the box Mondays 8 to 10 here on Podcast Detroit. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm Thomas signing off. We'll be back with you next Monday. Mm-hmm.